Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Lessons from a Birth Sermon Series, which looks at the people and events surrounding the birth of Christ. We would love to hear if the sermon was an encouragement to you and how God used it in your life. Let's take our Bibles and let's go to Matthew chapter number one this morning. <coughs> Excuse me, Matthew chapter one. And uh, we are going to, uh, oh, get back here. We're going to go uh, continue in our series of lessons from a birth. And I hope it's been a help to you and I hope you've been uh, learning something, maybe something new from the Christmas story that you didn't know before. And as we start this morning, just want to ask you, uh, I, know, I know you've been there, but you ever, can you remember a time um, when you were maybe a kid or an adult or maybe it was this week uh, that you were just kind of curious about what was inside of a gift? How many of you have been there? Okay. We've all been there maybe where we take a gift and we shake it and wonder what's inside, you know, and then we break what's inside. Uh, maybe you've done that, but uh, perhaps you've been where Micah was. I told this, I think, last year, the year before, one year that Micah uh, Bosworth, him and his siblings actually went down to their Christmas tree, opened up all their presents, and then rewrapped the presents. Uh, course their parents knew because they could tell by the wrapping I think that that it was them Michael will probably say no they didn't know we did a perfect job but they knew their parents they knew uh, I'm not talking about that type of wonder have you ever opened a present and still wondered what it was you know you open it up and 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 you get into it and you get the wrapping paper off you get the box open and your first thought, and maybe it was the first words, is, now what exactly is this? You say, no, I've never done that. Liar. Uh, you've probably done that, especially if you have kids. Man, kids, they'll wrap something up, they'll give you a gift, and you open it up, and your first thought is like, well, this is great. It's a, you know, this is a treasure from my four-year-old, but what is it? I was uh, trying to pick my mom's brain and ask her, and she reminded me of a time. I was probably in like the first grade. Mrs. Kirkner was my teacher, and Mrs. Kirkner is a great teacher, but we would always, always come home with, you know, homemade uh, or school-made Christmas gifts. And I was asking my mom, can you remember anything that, that I gave you that you were curious as to what it was? And, and she stopped for a second. She said, yes. There was this one time that you glued popcorn or maybe it was macaroni noodles. She said, you glued it to a piece of paper. And still to this day, I have no idea what it was supposed to be. Like she didn't know if it was supposed to be a snowman, doesn't know if it was supposed to be a, a it was a storm. That's what it was, mom, it was a storm. It was snow coming down. Uh, you know what, we've all been there. I've had kids come and they'll give me that gift of what is it? And the curiosity is there as to uh, just, you know, I open this, but I don't know what it is. Maybe you've also had a time when you perhaps opened a gift and you maybe don't wonder what it is, but you wonder why you're getting it for Christmas or an anniversary. Honey, did you mean to buy me a treadmill? Did you mean to get me this? You know, what is it? And why do I need it? You know what? When we come to the story of Jesus Christ, it's the story of the greatest Christmas gift ever given. 
And the great thing about the story of the Christmas gift of Jesus is we don't have to wonder what is it and why do I need it. The Bible, from the very first moments of the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ, lays out plainly for us exactly who Jesus was and exactly why we needed him. And this morning, I want to invite you, as we look at lessons from a birth, we're going to learn today, just very quickly, two things that we received when we received the gift of Jesus as we celebrate that first Christmas. And so I want you to take your Bible. Let's go to Matthew 1 and stand with me, if you will. We're going to a familiar portion of Scripture. We've already actually been there, but Matthew chapter 1 And verse number 18 down through verse number 25 is where we're going to be. Matthew 1 and verse 18, it says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When is his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together physically, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded or thinking about putting her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, A virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. As we come to our time in the Word this morning we're going to discover again just exactly what we received when we, got in, when we received Jesus Christ into this world. And I think today that if we will let it, I think this passage can grow us. I think we could learn some things intellectually. But then I really believe that this could challenge and it, it could shape the way that I approach my Christianity. It could shape how I think about God and what I think about my decisions if we allow this, uh, this truth that I believe we'll get across this morning to sink in. And so let's just pray and ask the Lord to bless our time with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Um, why don't you just take a moment and just in the quietness of your own heart, just ask God to speak to you. And just ask the Lord to help you today to hear exactly the words that he has for you. Dear Lord, we come before you and we again just thank you for the word of God. And Lord, I humble my heart to you today and I ask you, God, that you would work through me, that your word and your spirit would do the heart work in your people. God, you've challenged me and helped me so much this week with this message and these thoughts. And Lord, I I want it to, uh, to come across to your people. And so I pray that you'd help me. I pray that you'd give us the ears to hear And Lord, that you just challenge us today. Thank you so much for the truth we're going to look at. And Lord, I pray that it would uh, just shape our minds as we approach this week. We love you. Thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. 
quickly this morning. Before we really get into the passage and, and the message, and <clears throat> I will say today there's going to be a few times I'm going to repeat a couple of things, and one of them is this truth. The truth that we need to remember that Jesus Christ is 100% God and yet 100% man. The Bible tells us that when you look at Jesus in the flesh, that Jesus, he was all man. He was just as much human as you and I are, yet without sin, but he was also 100% deity. He was God in the flesh. And we need to kind of keep that in mind. And actually, when you go to Matthew chapter number one, uh, Matthew is really pointing that out. He takes time to point out the humanity and the divinity of Jesus. If you go and you were to read uh, Matthew 1, verses 1 through 17, Matthew focuses on the humanity of Jesus, saying, hey, he was born of the Virgin Mary. He had a human mom, and it descended from David, and, and Matthew's going and looking at that. But then at the same time, he goes to verse number 18 through 25, and he highlights the divinity of Jesus, the deity of Christ, that, hey, this was God in the flesh. This was the very Son of God. And because of him being 100% man, because of Mary, and 100% God because of his father, what Matthew does is he goes through this story and he begins to point out what we're going to look at this morning, what it was that when, when we received Jesus into this world, what exactly did we get? Did we get just this miraculous, miracle-working man? Or did we get just God in human form? What, what exactly do we find when we find Jesus Christ. And as you come to this spot in this story, of course, uh, it's familiar. We were at it, I think, three weeks ago looking at the life of Joseph. But just to help us be on the same page, uh, as you come to verse number 18 in the story, uh, Mary has already heard that she's going to have this baby. Luke chapter number one has already taken place that, uh, of course, Elizabeth is about to have John the Baptist and she's uh, been expecting for a few months. And John, uh, Luke one, the angel comes to Mary and tells her, you're going to have a baby. And Mary has this question, well, how can this be seen? I know not a man. I've never been physically involved. And the angel talks to her about this and she says, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And has this very submissive spirit. Well, then we need to know kind of what took place behind the scenes. The scripture would lead us to believe that she went to Joseph. And she goes to Joseph and she says, hey, honey, um, I know we're not exactly married yet. We're seen as married, this betrothal period. But you need to know that I'm expecting. But before you think anything, the baby in me is put there, given by God. Joseph, I have not been unfaithful to you. Joseph, I have not known another man. This is a miracle, an angel, and, and Mary began to recount that. And if you can put your mind in the place of Joseph, he's kind of in the back of it. You know, he's listening, maybe being respectful of his, his bride, but in the back of his mind, he's thinking, yeah, right. This is a lie. We know Joseph is thinking that because of what the Bible says, that he was a just man. He was a righteous man. He knew what the law said. He knew that this would, would have been seen as unfaithful and as, as a physical activity outside of the marriage and fornication against God. Joseph knew that, but because he was also a, a loving man, he was willing to put her away privately. You see, he could have stoned her, could have called for that, but he didn't. 
He was willing, how can I, how can I just quietly sign a bill of divorcement and let her go on with her life and me go on with mine? Joseph had his doubts. He did not believe it from Mary. I can imagine him maybe hearing this from her and, and maybe, maybe this is the same day. We don't know, but he goes home. And if you're, if you're like me and if, and if we're like Joseph, man, when you're really battling something or struggling with something or going through a rough situation and you might go home and maybe sit down in your recliner or maybe you're, maybe you're like me and you go and you lay down on your bed. If I'm really battling, struggling something, I just wanna pray and talk with the Lord and man, I just go lay down on my bed and turn the light out, close my eyes and, and just begin to pray. Joseph did that, he kind of falls into sleep. And Matthew chapter one, verses 18 through 25 is what's taking place during that sleep. He lays down to rest and as he rests, the angel comes to him. And this was not a dream like we think of, well, you know, I dreamed last night of of marshmallow clouds and and fluffy pigeons, you know. Now, if you had that dream, that's kind of weird, but... Uh, you know, I dreamed last night of it. We're not thinking of that type of dream. This is actually a, a physical, real vision that Joseph would have had in a, an encounter with this angel. And in this story, this angel confirms that Joseph, this is true. This is going to be an absolutely, Joseph, this is gonna be an absolutely unusual birth. Now, our world has seen unusual births of children. You can look it up and some of the things. I found one of, of people, of course, you heard of triplets and quadruplets and quintuplets and sextuplets and uh, seven and eight and nine. There's been nine babies born one time. I mean, it's just unheard of stuff. But I did a little research and found this story of Adam and Danielle Busby. They actually have a show and I don't know the name of the show, but they had, they had one daughter, and then a few years later, which would have been 2015, they ended up having quintuplets, and, and still, as far as my research, as far as I could find, they're still alive today and well, and these little girls are four and almost five years old uh, this next year, and man, that's an unusual birth, and it makes the headlines, and, and uh, you can go, and, and probably you might look at your children as like unusual birth. Something, you know, I mean, I remember when Dennis was born, you know, I just, this is awesome. And I think Dennis was, I don't know, eight pounds, something like that. And Lena, she was itty bitty as she still is. You know, she was like two pounds, she's seven pounds, something. But then Micah was born. And if I remember right, Micah, was he nine, six, nine even, nine pounds. And I remember holding Micah and I'm like, dude, he's a man. He's already full grown, you know. And, and then I hear about Pastor T.J. Wilder. You remember Pastor T.J. preached here back in May? When their first baby was born, 13 pounds, seven ounces, something like that. And then I like Google, largest babies ever born. Don't do that. My mind is messed up because of what I found. Listen, I'm not, don't, don't do it right now during church. You can do it at home, and I wasn't gonna tell you, but I am just because it's crazy. There was a 40-pound baby born in Australia. 
Listen, four zero. Man, he came out with a beard. I was like, Mom, where's the keys? You know, like, uh, my graduation's tomorrow. I mean, I, I read this story, and I literally, like, I'm, I'm, I was in Barnes & Nobles. And I was sitting in Barnes & Nobles, a, a coffee shop, and, and I was there, and I was reading this. And if, if somebody's watching me, they probably got a really good video, because I'm like, 40, and then there's a picture of the baby. I didn't look like that until I was seven. Listen, our world, our culture, we've seen some unusual births. But nothing was as unusual as the birth of Jesus Christ. Why? 100% God, 100% man, born of a virgin. Man, no wonder Joseph is looking and thinking, are you serious? How could this be? And yet in this, in this dream, in this vision, the angel confirms that there is no birth ever in history of humanity as the singularly spectacular as the birth of Jesus. Joseph, I'm letting you in on something that is literally going to rock the foundation of the world. And Joseph is in this dream, and it's, it's in this dream that I want to go to today. Because inside of the dream, I see two very specific things that we received when we got Jesus. I want you to see with me, first of all, this morning, that when the gift of Jesus came into this world, we received, first of all, what I'm calling a path to God. Man, when Jesus Christ came, we got a way to go to God. I want you to go to our passage, Matthew chapter number one, verse 21. The angel speaking to Joseph said, She, Mary, shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Well, why Jesus? The name Jesus, Yahshua or Yahashua or, or Jesus, that the Lord is salvation. Well, why is he called Jesus? The word for there means because. Hey, uh, Joseph, Mary's going to have a son. You're going to call his name Jesus. Why? Because he shall save his people from their sins. Man, this is the angel <coughs> giving to Joseph the main purpose of Jesus Christ. Why, why, is this, why is this person being born? Joseph might wonder. And the angel says, because he's being born in order to be the Savior. But I want us to understand, as we stated a second ago, in order to be the Savior, Jesus had to be. He had to be. 100% God, 100% man. And so that's why Matthew records for us very clearly his humanity line, and then very clearly that he was born of a virgin so that you could see his divinity. But I want you to see that this was something that was prophesied all the way back in the book of Genesis. Go to Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15. It says, I will put enmity... This is uh, the Lord speaking to Satan after the fall of Adam and Eve. And the Lord says to Satan here, uh, because of what has been done, because of you causing Adam and Eve to sin, here's what God says. I'm going to put enmity or animosity or antagonism or hatred between you and the woman. 
Between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head. Thou shalt bruise his heel. But I want you to notice something. I want you to notice what, G, what, what the Lord, what God said. I'm going to put enmity between thy seed and her seed. I'm not going to give you a biology lesson, but it's stated and it's scientifically proven that women don't have seed. The seed comes from the man. So even here in Genesis, this is all the way back. This is the only time ever in history that the seed came from the woman. Well, why? Because there was no man ever involved. It was miraculous. This was prophesied. Hey, there is going to come a God-man. This is all the way back in Genesis saying there's going to come a time when a miraculous birth is going to happen because, a, because the Holy Ghost is going to come upon a young lady and she's going to conceive because of the Holy Ghost. It's going to be her seed. It's going to be completely of her. Paul said it this way in Galatians 4, 4, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman. Again, biologically, it would be a man and a woman, but that's not listed there. And so I just want us to see that if Jesus, if he had no deity, he could not be the Savior. But Matthew highlights his deity. But I want you to also see that if he had no humanity, he couldn't be the Savior. We well, say, Pastor, why couldn't he be the Savior if he had no humanity? Because if he had no humanity, he could not have been partaker of the flesh. So he could not have been tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. You see, the miraculous thing, and, and, and I hope you're still with me this morning, the miraculous thing about the life of Jesus Christ is that he faced every temptation that you and I faced, he faced it to the fullest. Listen, every single temptation that you face, Jesus faced it. Oh, it may not have been exactly the same temptation at your workplace or whatever, but it's the same form of temptation. He's been, Jesus was tempted, listen, he was tempted to lie. Jesus was tempted to curse. Jesus was tempted to lust. Jesus was tempted, you get this? He was tempted in all points, every area of the flesh, like as we are. And that's important because if he hadn't been tempted, if he had, or excuse me, if he hadn't been human, he couldn't have been tempted. You see, because the Bible says that God cannot be tempted with evil. Right? That's what the scripture says. The, holy, the, the deity can't be tempted. God's not tempted. And so this is Jesus. So Jesus, he had to have two human parents, but he was also of divine nature. He had to be the child of man and yet the child of God, and that's exactly what he was. And I want you to see, he was born of a sinner, and yet he was born sinless because he was equally born of God. And one man said it this way, that when Jesus was born, his deity canceled out humanity's curse. That's why Jesus could die on the cross, because he was 100% God, 100% man. That what, that's what qualifies him to give us a path to God. Do you see that this morning? Do you understand that? And I want you to see that uh, what we talked about a little bit ago, that the Bible tells us that Jesus is the only one that can qualify as that. 
Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. No, listen, my friend. It is not the name of some, uh, uh, some other false god out there. Zeus can do nothing for you, and Muhammad can do nothing for you. Religious leaders like uh, the, the, the bishops and the priests and, and religious leaders like the pope, listen, they cannot be a mediator. Mary is not a mediator. Uh, Joseph Smith, Buddha, those religious leaders, they are are not mediators. Why? Because they are not 100% God and 100% man. They cannot provide you a path to God. Oh, listen, there are some good people that can kind of direct you to God, but they can't give you a path to God. They can't make the way clear. They can't weed out. They can't make the bridge that crosses the divide. They can't do those things. Why? Because they are not 100% God and yet 100% man. And so Matthew says, hey, I want you to get this. Hey, I want you to see this. The Davidic line, Matthew 1 through 7, Matthew 1, verses 1 through 17. He is human. He's born of a virgin. He has a mother who's humanly human. I don't know. She's a woman. And then he doesn't have a father. He's born miraculously. Man, it's only the name of Jesus, the one God-man. He is the only one who can save. And when he came to this earth, it was his miraculous birth that made way for his sinless life so that he could innocently die a sinner's death to be raised from the dead, proving that he was God and proving that he had come to do what it was said he could do. And I want you to see that as, Mary, as Joseph uh, hears this from the, from the angel, the angel says to him, listen, you're going to have a child, and here's his purpose. He is giving man, he's giving man a path to God. He shall save his people from their sins. He came to provide a way for you and I to God. I love how Paul says it, a great passage. Just reading it this week, I was challenged. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. We often look at 17 and just kind of leave it alone. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He's a new creature. Listen, you're a new creature. You've received him. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God makes you new. But notice verse 18 and 19. All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by or through Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit or to know uh, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Verse number 18, all things are of God who hath reconciled. He hath brought us back. He hath restored the relationship. God allowed you access to him by or through Jesus Christ. Verse 19, and just so you know, that God was in Christ, bringing the world to God, your sin isn't on you anymore. Not imputing your trespasses unto you. Oh, oh. I told my wife yesterday, I said, babe, I get so nervous when I have these messages that are just so theologically, like Bible study, deep, rich, teach it in Bible college type stuff because I want it to like meet us on the street level, you know? But here's the thought. 
when Jesus Christ came and he was born as a human and yet as God, that is absolutely pertinent, is absolutely necessary for you to be reconciled to God. There is absolutely no other way for you and I to be made right with God except for a God-man who can take our sins upon himself. That's why the verse we'll see in a second, a few verses later, verse 21 of the passage, he hath made him to become sin. So Jesus on the cross literally became sin and, and all, of our, all of our human sinfulness went on him at that moment. And in, then God turned his back and the deity and we don't understand this. The deity was literally divided for just that moment in time. And all of that had to happen in order for you and I to have a path to God. Because without that, we cannot have forgiveness. All right. So we've received a path to God. But I want you to see secondly this morning, and this is where I really want to get to, and we'll hit this and be done. I want us to see that when we receive the gift of Jesus Christ, we receive the presence of God. We got the presence of God. Verse 22 and 23, we find that the angel, the angel's not speaking anymore. Verse 22, it, it shifts, and this is now Matthew speaking. And Matthew says, now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son, now, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. What Matthew does, <coughs> and he does this often, actually 50 times in the Gospels, or excuse me, 50 times in the Gospel of Matthew, he gives a direct quote of an Old Testament teaching, and then 76 more times he alludes to it. So, uh, what, 126 times Matthew directs it back to the Old Testament. Once again, this is an awesome truth. It just reminds us, you want to understand the New Testament? Hey, John 5, 36, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which speak of me. This is Jesus. Matthew says, hey, you want to you know what the Old Testament's about? 126 times it all points to Jesus. 126 times, and, and there's thousands of times. And so Matthew does this again. And he quotes from Isaiah, chapter number uh, 7, I believe. Isaiah 7, uh, um, uh, 14 is where he, he's quoting from. And, and the time that he's quoting, it doesn't matter. Ahaz is thinking that, um, Ahaz is thinking that Israel's gonna lose, the Davidic line's gonna be lost, and, and the kingdom's gonna go away, and Israel's gonna be no more. And God comes to him through an angel and says, hey, listen. You got this all messed up. You're looking wrong. Because behold, someday, I'm gonna bring to this world a virgin, a young lady, and through her seed, I'm gonna, and he reiterates what was taught all the way back in Genesis thousand you know, years earlier. And so Matthew is now talking about all this. And Matthew's saying, there's gonna come a king through the line of David, He's gonna be miraculously born. Oh, and by the way, his name shall be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel. It's an awesome name. The word El, the last two letters of the word, those are the names for God, a name for God. El Shaddai, El Elyon, El Roi. There's Old Testament names. It's God and then the definition, the characteristic that fits that name. 
So L is God, Emmanu, uh, E-M-M-A-N-U, or I-M-M-A-N-U. It means simply with us. So this is the name, Emmanuel, is with us God. God with us. Now you say, well, you know, I read my Bible, Pastor, and they never called him Emmanuel. And you'd be correct. There's not places in Scripture where he's walking down the street and someone says, hey, Emmanuel. Doesn't happen. Why? It's not because this is, this is a name of his, but it's not really his title as far as a name is concerned. The word Emmanuel is really a description of who he is. He is none other than God in the human flesh. We don't have time to read it, but John 1, 1 through 14 highlights this for us. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. That's what it says, John 1, 1. That Word, it's talking about Jesus. Verse number 14, it says, and that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became flesh. So Matthew's highlighting this and saying that Jesus Christ is literally God here with us. You know, everyone enjoys receiving a letter. I like letters. I like opening the mail. Kids, you know, uh, I mean, even now in the technological age that we live in, uh, our kids are still like, hey, can I go check the mail? You know, like, maybe I got something. Yeah, go check the mail. No one writes anymore, but sure, go check the mail. You know, you, you enjoy getting the mail. I enjoy, you know, we live in a, in a, in a um, realm of technology. Uh, I enjoy a text message every now and then. You know, hey, hey, Pastor, how you doing? Hey, Dennis, how you doing? I enjoy friends that text me. Hey, what's going on? I enjoy a phone call. A good friend, uh, uh, Pastor Josh Ermler, called me on Friday, and we talked for a little bit. He did our couples conference, uh, which our couples conference coming up a couple weeks, so get, plugged, get, get ready for that. It's going to be a great one in February. Pastor Eric Sanders will be here. There's my plug. You'll enjoy it. But Josh called me, and I enjoyed talking to Josh. I enjoy that. When I'm gone, you know, I love doing, I love FaceTiming my family. You know, FaceTime where you can actually see them. You know, like you can see, or Skype or whatever you use. Man, I can see my kids. And, hey, Dad, look what I made. Hey, Dad, look at this. And I was in Israel during the boys' first basketball game, and Hannah FaceTimed with me and put the phone up, you know, so that I could see them sitting on the bench. She's like, well, they were in. They're not in right now. But you know what? I was just, just kidding. But we, we can do that. We love FaceTiming. But you know what I really love? Hey, Lena, come here. Hurry. I love FaceTiming my kids. But you know what I really love? I love this. I love being right next to them. I love when she walked in the office this morning. It wasn't a phone call. It wasn't a text. It wasn't a letter. It wasn't a FaceTime. She walked in this morning. She said, hey, Dad, some, you know, Samantha helped me do the back of my hair. It's all Lena. Honey, you look so pretty. I gave her a hug, and we talked for a second. You know what? I like those other things, but I love her being with me. Why? Thanks, honey. You did a great job. I love her being with me. Why? Because she's here. 
I can touch her. I can see her. I can talk to her. It's immediate response. I love my wife. I I enjoy getting a letter from Hannah. But the truth is that I would much rather do what I did yesterday and go hang out with Hannah. We got to go on a little date yesterday and walk around a mall. I went shopping. Life has changed. I enjoy shopping with my wife, period. Do not separate the two. If I have to go shopping without my wife, I do not enjoy shopping, but I enjoy shopping with my wife. You know what? Yesterday, walking through the mall, holding her hand and, and talking and a great drive, you know, hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes down to Tri-Cities and got to go to, got to, go to lunch and got to go to uh, uh, hang out at the mall and just walk around a little bit, got to go to coffee and then went back to the mall and got to get an Annie Ann's pretzel. I got the cup of pretzels, not just one. I get the cup. And we just had a great time. What, I, what I'm trying to highlight here, and I, I don't want to belabor this, but I want you to get it, it's better in person. Okay, the Old Testament is God's letter. The New Testament is God's letter. Uh, this, is, this is God FaceTiming with you. This is God saying, hey, I want you to see me. I, I got a phone call for you. Hey, this is an email to you. Hey, this is a text to you. But you know what Jesus was? He was God to you. He was like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> hey, no more letters. Hey, no more phone calls. Hey, no more FaceTime. No, I am here in person. And that's what, that's what, that's what uh, Matthew is saying. This is Jesus Christ in the flesh. When a person is there physically, you experience them to the fullest. You experience the, the totality of them. You are all there and they are all there. And when Jesus was born, God was all there. He was God, 100% God and yet 100% man. And uh, John said it this way, that when we beheld him, we beheld the glory of God. Man, we looked at Jesus and we saw God in his glory and I want you to see this morning, and I recognize the time. Are you still with me this morning? I, I, I didn't get up until like 25 minutes ago, so let's just stay together real quick, and I'll, we'll still go eat lunch. But I want you to see this morning, there's a question. There's a question posed in Matthew 22, verse number 42, that Jesus gave to the Pharisees. And the question was simply this. What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? Hey, what think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? That's the question Jesus asked the Pharisees in Matthew 22, and it's a question that's still being asked in every single age of the day, in every single culture. Whose son is he? The Jewish believers, they answered, the son of David. The Pharisees, they said, oh, he's the son of David. We know the kingly line. We know he's human. But frankly, they weren't, too, they weren't much more sure of anything else. They, for the most part, they seemed to reject that Jesus was Messiah. They rejected that he was God in human flesh. As a matter of fact, when Jesus claimed to be the son of David, they didn't care. But when he claimed to be the son of God, they said, that's blasphemy. Let's kill him. Why? Because they expected Jesus to be of David's seed, but not of God. And I want you to see this morning that people are still denying that today. Statistically, and you can't see all of this, but Barna did a a research thing in 2014 about what people thought of God and simply this, that uh, I think it was 
45% of all of those that were polled, 46% of the people don't believe that Jesus is in fact God. People are willing, listen, people are willing to let, and people today are willing to let Jesus be royal seed. People are willing, listen, people are willing to let Jesus be the son of David. They're willing to let Jesus be a good man. People are willing to let Jesus be a good teacher and perhaps even a good prophet, but they are not anxious for Jesus to be deity, to be God in human flesh. And all of this is to a reason. And here's the reason. If Jesus is in fact God with us, God among us, then it will affect every area of your life. Because when a person really believes that he is Emmanuel, God with us, that means, listen, he is God with you. He is God with me. And if I really think that he is with me, it's going to affect how I say, what I say, and how I think, and what I do. It's going to affect where I go. It's going to affect what I say to people. It's going to affect how I use my time. It's going to uh, really overflow into every single part of my life. Why? Because he is Emmanuel. He is God with me. He is not God in some distant place. He's not just writing a letter and not knowing what's going on when I received a letter. No, he is standing with me present. You see, FaceTime can only show you so much. If Hannah FaceTimes, I could be in, in Washington, D.C. and go, wow, man, babe, I wish you could see this. And I'm seeing a bunch of stuff she's not. But when she's with me, she sees everything. You see, God is not just some supernatural element that's out there not caring about your life. God came in the form of Jesus to be God with you, seeing everything in your life. And when you and I approach the day with him as Emmanuel, it will change us. God with me, my Emmanuel. Again, not some distant place God, but he is God with me. And this is an awesome thought. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, it means that everything he is is available to you. For the believer, I mean, what an incredible thought. All of his comfort, it's available to you. All of God's guidance, it's available to you. All of his encouragement, all of his forgiveness, all of his peace, all of his counsel, it's all available to you. I mean, he is God with me. He is available to me. That means, you don't, that means you don't go over bridges without God. That means you don't go over valleys without God. That means you don't go through death without God. It means you don't go through a, a, a heartache without God. No, why? Because he is God with you. He is one that has said, hey, I'm here for you. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. No wonder Isaiah said that his name would be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Why? He's wonderful because he's extraordinary. He's the Counselor because he gives wisdom in every situation. He is the Mighty God because he is yet still eternal with all power. He's the Everlasting Father, giving comfort, provision, strength, and love. And he is the Prince of Peace, bringing peace to every heart. And my friend, I want you to say, and I want you to see this this morning, that all of this is not simply available for you. It is available to you. Why? Because he is God with you. I'm sorry, but this is like, ah! Why? Because we go through life living with God with everybody else. But he didn't come to be their Emmanuel and not yours. He came to be God with you. That means this week at work, 
He was sitting right there next to you. He's watching how you use your time. He's watching how you spoke. And all of this is available not for me to become something, but for me to have something. To have him and a relationship with him. Not for me to make a name for myself, but for me to declare a name for him. Not for me to become something great, but to point others to his greatness. Because he is Emmanuel. I'll read the quote. It's not on the screen, but it's awesome. Emmanuel, God with us. He who was infinitely rich became poor, assumed our human nature, entered our sin-polluted atmosphere without ever being tainted by it. He took our guilt. He bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He went to heaven to prepare a place for us. He sent his spirit to dwell within us. Right now, he makes intercession for us and will someday coming back to receive us. No wonder the Apostle Paul said, through his poverty, we are made rich. Man, we're made rich. Why? God with us. This morning with these thoughts, when we receive Jesus Christ, we receive the presence of God. If Jesus was simply born of human parents, there is no way to describe the reason or the way of his supernatural life taking place. No, my friend, the truth is that Jesus was virgin born, 100% human, 100% God. His substitutionary death, his bodily resurrection, and his second coming, they are a package of deity. You can't isolate any one of those things and accept only one of the areas and leave the rest. Jesus is either Emmanuel, God with us, or he is a fraud. And so I want to ask you, who is he? Who do you say he is? If he's Emmanuel, then he's available to you. He is God to you. He is God with you. He is God for you. He is God in you. Everything. It's all for you. It's all for me. But if he's not God, then it's pointless. But the truth is, he is God. He is Emmanuel. And that can and should change even the smallest decisions of your life. Everything he is, it's available to you. And so I want to encourage you to make the decision this week. He's Emmanuel. He's with me all week. He's not just the God of Christmas. He's not just God with everybody. He's God with me. He's mine this week. And then let's also remember that when we receive Jesus, we receive that path to God. And so maybe you're here and you haven't made the decision to receive Jesus as your path to God. You're, you're on the path of works or the path of baptism or the path of your righteousness or the path of church. Can I say Jesus is the only path to God? Do you know for sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven? If you don't, listen, that's why Jesus came. He came for you to know, have that relationship. He came to be in your life and give you a way to God. I hope you've received him as your savior. If you haven't, in a moment, we're gonna have an invitation to invite you to do that. Listen, if you have received him as Savior, I know I was, I was quick today because I got up late and just sped through all that. You're like, it's 1230, you're not quick. It's okay. We only do this like four times a month, not five. Every fifth Sunday, we take a break from being later. If you know Christ as your Savior, if you'll join me, don't look at Emmanuel as just like, yeah, it's just part of the story. Man, I began studying this and hearing this. Brother Jim, I was sitting at my computer this week and I was reading some notes and I got done and I, I sat back and I went, wow. 
I really did. In my, in my office, I just verbally, I was like, wow. Like, he's God with me. Like the creator of the world. He said, Dennis, I care for you. I want to walk with you. And I don't want to ever look at Emmanuel and just say, oh, yeah, yeah, God with me. No, no, no. He's God with me. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.